0: Alexa, do a virus scan. <laughs> <laughs> I am a virus. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Alexa, how are things at the NSA today? Also, not a sponsor. I run Arch. I run Arch. I work for Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I run Arch. I run Arch. And you will pay. And you can get one on Amazon with Alexa built in. Linux Mint Frankenstein Edition.
2: Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 355. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. We're in the Mintcast channel in IRC at irc.spotchat.org. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at Join us live on YouTube, post at the Mintcast subreddit, chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. This is Leo, and with me today is Joe. Hello, hello. Tony Hughes. Hi, guys. Josh. Hey, guys. Moss. I'm almost famous. And special guest, Mike McKnight. I'm new. Yay! We're recording on Sunday, February 21st, 2021. First up, in our wanderings, Mike shreds a new axe. I'm more and more impressed by Proton. Joe has frozen joints. Moss is going to be rich someday. Tony Hughes gets immunities, and Josh panics with a crowbar. Then in the news, so much controversy. Linux on Mars, VLC on the moon, Mint and Mintcast make the cut, and more. In security, patch Mint, patch the kernel, and patch the browser. Mike, welcome. Thank you for coming. It's great to have you. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing well, and thank you all for having me on the show today. Absolutely. I it. This is going to be a good
3: episode. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear from you. So over the past couple of weeks, what have you been up to? Uh, the last couple of weeks, mostly just shoveling snow, primarily, I think, uh, along with most of the rest of the country. Uh, aside from that, I've been trying to get into a little reading and, of course, some guitar playing as usual.
2: Not just any reading. This is uh, one of the books that you were going through was was one of the ones that we had kind of done a, I don't know, what do you call that? Like book club meeting about
3: <laughs> the art of invisibility. I did, yeah. I actually read that because you guys were reading that. I figured it would be uh, kind of cool if we were all on the same page, and it seemed interesting.
4: Yeah, and Ghost in the Wires is one of my favorite Mindick books.
3: I absolutely love that book. I, I really, I'm, I'm going to give it a second read through probably because I enjoyed it so much.
4: How about your tinfoil hat? Is that
3: on tighter now? Less tight? Oh, what, did it change you at all? My tinfoil hat is firmly in place forever. I don't think it can ever be loosened. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, it was uh, a, a lot of the information uh, in the Out of invisibility I, I found to be kind of eye-opening, honestly. There were there were definitely some things that I had absolutely no idea were possible.
2: It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, just th- the stuff that he goes into, uh, Kevin, that the stuff that he goes into that he did that got him thrown in jail for forever, as well as all of the stuff that, yeah, it's just, it's mind numbing. It's, it depends on how you look at it, I guess. I mean, if you're, if you actually care about privacy, it's scary and it just, it, it's just getting worse every single day. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's an amazing
3: read and it really is eye opening.
4: What format did you read it in? Um, I read on Kindle.
3: I've I've been using Kindle now for about 10 years, so I'm kind of spoiled on paper. I, I really can't read paper books anymore.
4: So it it was an ebook. It was, yeah. yeah. You should read the, the audio book read by it's, it's, uh, Mitnick. Yeah,
3: he actually narrates the uh, the audio book himself. Yeah. Oh, that actually that does sound cool. I probably will check that out then for my uh, my second read through.
2: Yeah, because I think there's like that there there is intonation in a lot of what he says that I think would have been missed by another reader, or you know, as you read it in a book, I think there's just something that you miss. So. I love it when the authors narrate their own books. They know how it's meant to be said. So, yeah, it's, it's really good stuff.
4: Yeah,
3: I love that, too. I, I, another author that I read pretty frequently is Barry Eisler, and he, uh, he narrates all his own audio books, too. I, I love it.
4: What's he write?
3: He writes a lot of uh, kind of thriller espionage. It's, it's fiction. It's kind of uh, kind of throwaway fiction, but I like it, yeah.
4: Mm. Like throwaway fiction. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'll check him out. That's pretty
3: cool. So,
2: what did you think about uh, Ghost in the Wires? I haven't read it, but Joe, it sounds like you had.
4: Yeah, a couple times.
3: Yeah, Ghost in the Wires. I actually enjoyed Ghost in the Wires a bit more than The Art of Invisibility. Um, Ghost in the Wires, if you haven't read it, is it's pretty autobiographical. It kind of talks about his uh, his early years growing up as a child, how he got into computers, then goes on to his life on the run and his his hacking career. And I I really, I found it to be a great read. I kind of it was one of those books I couldn't put down while I was reading it.
2: Wow! Very cool. Okay, uh, so add another one to my list, just to uh, refit my tinfoil. Why not?
1: Don't keep <laughs> us waiting, Mike. Tell us about your new guitar. Ah, uh, it's a uh, it's a Fender Newporter Special. It's uh, the
3: Newporter Special is an acoustic electric guitar. Uh, the thing that kind of makes this a bit unique for acoustic guitars, at least. Is that uh, in Moss? You'll probably know what I'm talking about. The headstock on this acoustic guitar is actually a six in line rather than three and three on each side, so it has more of a uh, an electric headstock versus what an acoustic guitar typically has. Aside from that, it's a it's a medium size uh, in terms of body shape, so it's got a, a nice kind of balanced voice, not quite as deep as a dreadnought style guitar, but not as plucky as a as a small body either. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. It has a it has a uh, a uh, Fishman preamp built into it, and uh, I like it. It's, uh, it's black. It's like a matte black finish that I have on mine, and I've had it for uh, about a month now or so.
2: That's pretty cool. The, the only thing I have to compare that with is I have a really, really cheap guitar, but you said matte black, and it just reminded me of the the ukulele that I bought my daughter. It's, uh, it's made out of carbon fiber matte black, and I just it just feels really good. It's thinner than a normal uke. I don't know. For some reason, I can strum that one way easier than, uh, than my uke. So I don't play much other than uh, I grew up playing a piano, and uh, I play drums a lot, and then the the uke a little bit. You play drums currently? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I actually, I haven't picked it up in a little while, mostly because I've had so much stuff going on. But uh, yeah, I grew up playing drums after, after I got rid of the piano. Well, I didn't get rid of it, but um, after I lost interest in the piano. And yeah, I'll, I'll go back to it every now and then. It, I always love a good beat.
3: I think I see an, uh, an episode for the future. Leo
2: on lead drums. Oh, Hey, I mean, we got to rewrite this Mintcast theme anyway, right?
0: <laughs> there you go. You and Moss, a two-man band, can take care of it. There it is. We need a backing guitar. I know nothing about guitars, so now I know what Normal people feel like when I talk about computers to I them. I was thinking yeah. the exact same <laughs> thing. Yeah. I, was I mean, like, seriously, I was completely lost uh-huh, during that. It's uh-huh, like, uh-huh, is this no. what
4: other people think during this podcast?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly my is. thoughts.
2: <laughs>
3: you yeah, just I was you to keep just, it kind of light there.
2: Yeah, you point at it and you're like, yeah, I know some of those words. All right. Well, for me, uh, I've not been doing too terribly much. I've been surviving a blizzard. Both Joe and I, I think, um, have been huddled around the heat generating source. don't forget about me. That's true. That's true. But (laughs) I I feel like you're a little more used to it. Your snow is more backbreaking because you just have to deal with it. Uh, um, Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah we don't get a lot of snow.
4: <laughs> yeah, man, burst pipes what all it, up and 5 down. Five million people without power. Yeah,
2: we lost power. We lost water. Uh, I didn't lose power. I, I was one of the lucky ones. Uh, but we definitely lost water, and it's non non. Is it potable? Is that the word? Correct. At okay. Word. I, I never like. I've only ever read it, and it d- it reads like potable. Right, potable. Because uh, I heard it on the radio. It but,
4: reads as potable. Right, but it's pronounced potable.
2: Exactly. So all of our, all of our water through our taps are, is non potable. So, um, yeah, we still got to, if, if, you're getting it out of the tap, you got to boil it or, you know, you can use it for bathing or something like that. But yeah, so we're still in a pinch, but I think doing okay. We're, We're coming out the other end of it, which is nice. Um, but yeah, so outside of that, I did play a little bit of Path of Exile, but here's the deal. One of the things about Path of Exile, um, it's an ARPG game. Basically, you know, you, the camera is stuck looking over over top your character and you go smack zombies and stuff, right? That's the idea. In Path of Exile, eh, I've never actually been able to get it to run in Linux in any way that is playable. Uh, I could log in. I could get to the starting areas. You could run around a little bit. But the moment anything action-wise started to happen on your screen... I mean, you crash down to something like 15, 10, 5 frames a second, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty unplayable. Um, but I did go to ProtonDB the other day, and uh, it's just Reflex now. I type in Path of Exile just to see, you know, how it's going. And it's got a gold rating now. And I was like, no way. There's absolutely no way. But turns out Path of Exile doesn't have to run on DirectX anymore. It's got a Vulkan renderer now. <gasps> Which means that it may be portable over to Linux sometime in the future natively. But as for right now, launching via Proton Experimental in Steam and swapping over to the Vulkan renderer in the game gets you, I would say, about 95% of Windows performance. Once Once you get to the higher levels and you got like a screen full of stuff, it seems to lose frames faster than the Windows counterpart. But man. I can play the game and honestly in the middle of the game when you're doing normal stuff I don't I don't notice that I'm not in Windows it is quite amazing so I've I'm just beaming over that I'm I'm happy uh, that's one of the games that I like to go to every now and then and spend a few hours uh, you know smacking on zombies and stuff and I'm just so glad that it works so amazingly well in Linux so thank you Proton uh, thank you Path of Exile for adding a Vulkan option I think those two things together just make it all worth it. So does that does that get into uh, in, uh does that get me admission into your podcast, Josh? Oh, you're already admitted. <laughs> all right No, uh, I have one more thing I wanted to talk about, and that was I've spent a lot of time with Trinity desktop environment here lately. Uh, Moss, this may have crossed your radar. I don't know. Uh, have you been on Trinity at at all?
1: Uh, Trinity, not since I did my review way back when of uh, uh, Q4OS. Oh, that's right.
2: Q4 OS does have Trinity. Uh, I did Trinity over on the PC Linux OS side. And, oh man, it's exactly like I left it back in 2002. (laughs) It does not, it did not Sadly,
1: I haven't had it. I haven't noticed that some of the current apps will work in it. I wound up having to just switch over to Plasma. Uh, yeah,
2: Discord just, uh yeah, no, it was pretty unusable, I think. Trinity already had some audio issues for me, like um, it, it would detect my input, but it wouldn't detect my output. I don't know what that was about. No matter what I chose in Kmix, it just didn't, didn't go. I could never hear anything. Um, but I swear, the first time I logged in, I heard the little uh, login sound, and then after that, I never heard anything else. So maybe I just imagined it. Um, all my nostalgia was rushing back, and I just heard it or something. But um Trinity Desktop Environment, for those of you that don't know, is KDE three. Um with uh, obviously a few tweaks that the uh, maintainers uh or the developers added to it. But
1: honestly 3.5 actually.
2: Okay. But actually, you know, I did I didn't notice. Uh I mean it felt like it felt like KDE three back in the day, uh when I was when I was on it for I don't know, probably about a year in two thousand and two. Um but that was on Slackware, I guess, and in a little bit of Mandrake as well but yeah it it didn't feel like it had changed at all. I even found the wallpaper that I was using. I think it's like alien cityscape or something. Um found that and yeah, it was the same exact wallpaper. So I had I had it set up just like I had it set up 10 20 years ago. It's ah, it's weird to say 20 years ago. Ugh, that's kind of that, that makes me sad. So uh because I'm sad now, I will hand it over to Joe.
4: Ah, uh, sorry to hear that that you're sad now. Um, I, I know it's been mentioned, but um, in case you're not aware, it's been cold in Texas. A little chilly. A, a little chilly. And it turns out that uh, cold and arthritis don't get along real well. So it's kind of slowed me down because, well, it hurts.
2: I thought the, uh, sorry, I thought the frozen joints thing was like a pun for something. No, it's not. No, that, that was, no, <laughs> you no, really have frozen hurts. joints. Oh, man. It
4: hurts. I did get a new 8-terabyte hard drive for my server-slash-garage computer, and I have transferred all the data over from my 2-terabyte drive onto it, and I still need to swap it into the PC instead of the external enclosure that it's currently in. At that time, I'm going to change the name to match um, the 2-terabyte and then change the name of the 2-terabyte and after i restart audacity should just pick it up or not audacity but plex should just pick it up and work like normal i got slowed down a little bit because well there was water in my garage right where my computer was so um yeah that took a little a couple of days to get properly cleaned up and so nothing was running in there for a while
2: well we know hard uh n- none of the equipment actually works well with water but how does a hard drive did you have anything running during the uh, during the freeze, like sub zero temperatures? How does a drive run in sub zero temperatures?
4: None of my stuff had any problems with it. Um, that's the good. garage never quite made it down. Well, it, it did make it below f- freezing, but um, never for long enough to actually like freeze a bottle of water or anything. Oh, okay, cool.
2: Yeah, that was uh, I, I, every time I buy a hard drive that's going to go in a place where I know it's going to get warm. I'll always read the rating like it's rated up to you know 150 degrees Fahrenheit or something like that or 200 degrees or whatever it is, and and I'll 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 be mindful of that. But because of where we live, I don't think I've ever cared about the low end of that spectrum. You you never find any kind of server closet or um, any kind of you know the the name escapes me. You know, the racks-on-racks-on-racks of servers. Um, What what do you call that room? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Anyway. The rack room? Yeah, I guess so. Um, But yeah, just like those things always stay fairly warm. So it just never dawned on me to look at the bottom end. So I don't know what the bottom end actually is.
4: Uh, If that were a concern for me, I'd probably just turn the fans down some and the rest of the computer. Yeah, that would help. rest of the heat permeate. But um, yeah, it turned out not to be a problem. And I... Some of the coldest days, everything was shut off because, you know, power supplies on floors and water. I did make it also make it out to Micro Center. I don't know if I mentioned it last show. I don't think I did. Um, I picked up five Raspberry Pi Picos for future projects. I just haven't found the right project for me yet. Plus, as of yet, you can use Thonny, which gives you an environment for MicroPython. I'm waiting for Arduino to get their UI up and running for it, which they say they are doing. So um, I'll, I'll be more easily able to use C and C, and I'll be able to convert um, the Pro Micro projects over to it once I uh, compare the pinouts. So that'll make it a whole lot easier to make things like a, a USB controller. That's, that's a fair difference in price, considering I'm getting those for $2 each, and I was buying the, um, the Pro Micros at $5 each, So because I was getting three of them at a time from Amazon, and it was costing $15. bucks, i am hoping to you, do USB controllers with it, but I'm also hoping to find another project that I like with it. I've spent a lot of time cooking and looking up recipes, mostly because if I'm in the kitchen and cooking, that means that it's warm in the kitchen. I did get an air fryer slash uh, toaster oven combo that I have been using quite a bit to make healthier fish and chips because I oh am a my big God. fish and chips I, fan. I
2: love, I love the air fryer. It's like my favorite little gizmo in yeah. the kitchen. Same here. I Oh, my god! I, I need I, I need chicken wings in my life, and right now it's uh, it's not the easiest thing to go to a place and go eat chicken wings and get a beer. You know, do that whole thing. But now, with the air fryer, oh, right. as long as I can get them raw, I can take care of it from there, man. Oh, so good.
4: I'll take frozen fish and um I, I will coat it in sugar free maple syrup, and then I'll toss it into the air fryer for twenty minutes and it comes out great. And then a little bit of um, mango habanero pepper and I'm good to go. I made another batch of uh, protein bars. This time was the caramel chocolate version instead of the score bars that I made last time. Um, It doesn't firm up as much as I would like in the freezer but it's still very tasty. My kids have tried it, they love it. And the silicone dish that I used um, to prepare it in was extremely helpful as was adding a bit of nonstick spray to the wax paper. Uh, The burrito skillet that I talked about last time was a big hit with the kids, and I'm looking for other um, recipes to add to my favorites list for lower calorie, higher protein meals without being keto. Work was extremely rough last week here in Texas with a record cold and snowfall. For most places, the cold and the snow that we got um, wouldn't wouldn't be a problem. The amount that we got from most places, they wouldn't even notice. They wouldn't have even canceled school for a day, but we had school canceled for the whole week because this area never gets that, and we are not prepared for such a thing. Um, we don't have snow plows, and we don't have salt on standby, so yeah, a little crazy here. Well we usually have
2: we usually have the salt at the ready, uh, but I mean, we ended up the first that first blizzard, uh I guess that first snowstorm brought fourteen inches, and I didn't pay attention to what the second one See, brought, we, but you know a couple of days later we got another inches. snowstorm, and i mean it, at at that point it was like, well, we're not going anywhere anyway, I don't care how much snow that is, just whatever
1: well, <laughs> even here in Tennessee they had uh there was either enough weather or enough code scare. That the schools were closed more a lot more than they were open, and which hurts me since I'm a substitute teacher. They close the schools if there's a forecast of snow.
3: <laughs> so, Joe, now what do you guys typically do in that scenario? Because I'm from New England, so obviously we're we're used to the snow. But I mean, do they bring in plows from other states, or no? I did not nope. see
4: a single plow. Yeah, wow, they wow. just let it the, melt. Yeah, we'll, we'll it's just, wow. it melt. there. Don't worry, it's going to be like 70 this week. i'm not joking oh it's 67 right where i'm at (laughs) it's 57 here now but uh yeah most of it's melted now but for like a week there everything was at a standstill the grocery stores were empty none of the fast food places were open um roads didn't go anywhere the post office had a pipe burst everything was closed um I, I, like Leo, was extremely lucky in that my power was very stable at my house, uh, but because of this, I also ended up working a lot more because most of my team was unavailable for either power or internet outages. I mean, that's that's um, when
2: you just say, ah, I lost power. I don't know. This is the last text I can send my phone. No.
4: I, I considered it. And um, so that was a lot of uh, 14-hour days for me and lots of getting called back into work after hours because everyone else had lost connection. I mean... Um, I got off of work on, uh, Tuesday at five o'clock. I, I went directly to Walmart after work and they were calling me at five thirty to come back. So yeah, that, and I'm sorry, but uh, you know, I'm not going to drive like a psychopath to try and get back in a more timely manner on ice and snow. And I actually know how to drive on ice and snow. Nobody else does around here. Uh, uh-uh. uh, um, it's fun. And, uh, it can be, yes, <laughs> unless the guy next to you really, really doesn't know what they're doing, and then you have to worry more about them than you do
1: yourself. Yep. Yeah, we have all that video of semis sliding sideways down the street.
4: Yeah, 100-car pileup on, on 35. Um, oh, just that's right, yeah. Video footage of crash after crash because people don't realize that slamming on your brakes isn't necessarily the correct way to stop.
2: Oh, man, yeah.
4: It's bad. And while this was going on, I had a water pipe burst like a lot of other people. Um, Due to the freezing, it was a hot water line, super fun. Um, The pipe actually burst in two places. Uh, So the first fix, when we got the plumber out here, didn't fix the issue, and he had to leave for a little while and handle somebody else before he could come back. So... While he was gone, I ended up having to uh, take down all the shelving in my um, uh, laundry room so that he could cut into my wall there and get to the pipe. Yeah, it was really surprising. I was able to get a plumber out the day after I called, and I'm talking to other people, and they're having to wait like a week, week and a half to get their plumber. Sadly, though, the drain was also frozen so I haven't been able to run my washing machine yet but I'm expecting by the end of the day today I should be able to but I'm gonna have to set it in front of the the drywall hole in 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 my laundry room and I'm gonna have to relearn how to do drywall since I haven't done that since I was a teenager being stuck in the house I ended up playing a, a lot more Borderlands 3 to pass the time And I'm still liking it. I also decided to go back and play some more Victor Vran on occasion. And then someone on Telegram the other day, maybe it was Hob, I'd have to look again, Um, mentioned that a uh, redone version of Diablo 2 is supposed to be coming out. Um, I have to wonder if it'll be playable on Linux. I kind of doubt it. Um, I know that you can easily get the old one to play on Linux just because of how long it's been available and people have been cranking away, getting it working on there. But um, Blizzard and Steam still don't have any kind of deal and they probably never will. So uh, I know I have a copy of Diablo 2 somewhere, like that big box that they sold for forever with all the different versions and add-ons. So... Yeah, oh. I'll probably
2: get uh the DT remastered on uh on launch. That w- that was announced a couple of days ago on at BlizzCon. So you need to go and watch all of the videos that they have posted uh over these past couple of days. Man, they are good. And Blizzard is is always fantastic about cinematics. So they're already starting the storytelling. They just dropped the uh the rogue um backstory today, uh, today or last night, one of the two. And man, it's so good. The, their cinematics team is just better than anybody else. They're fantastic.
4: I definitely want to play the remastered version, and I I would love it if it played on Linux, but I just don't think they're going to do that, or if they do do it, it won't be right away. Well, Um, I will
2: say, uh, World of Warcraft has been pretty consistently playable on Linux. You don't get 100% of the frame rate that you're going to get in Windows, but I've I've not really had much issue. Uh, A couple of times I had to swap the version of Wine that I was using uh, through Lutris, but other than that, I mean, it all works. It it all works, and Diablo three works, Overwatch works, uh, Hearthstone works. All all oh, those, all those games, they all work. So uh, honestly, well, I would be surprised if it doesn't work out of the box. But if it doesn't, then give it a week. It'll it'll be good.
4: Well, one of the things I'm 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 you know kind of excited to see with the uh, remastered version and when it comes out is how well uh, Necromancers play. Because I know with Diablo 2, when it first came out, um, that was a good way to, you know, lock up your computer quick. Really? Just resurrect. Yeah, you resurrect a whole slew of other characters. I think the max you could get was like 13, and then you could do like summons or something like that. And then if there were also a bunch of enemies on screen, it was just too many characters. (laughs) That's awesome. And And it would lock things up. Moss, what have you been up to?
1: Well, let's get back to the real world a bit here. Uh, there are updates taking OpenMandriva Lx to version 4.2. If you run them as upgrades and don't read the blog posts first, you will have issues, and I did. I'll talk more about that in Hoppers Digest episode 020, which we should be recording this week. I have a clean install on the Fuzz Z400, but have issues with the upgrade on my Kudu. I'll report to the OMA forum. Distro Hopper's Digest will also feature a brand new segment, Beautiful Failures. We will talk about the distros we almost got to review and what happened. Our most downloaded episode, 018, has stalled out just below 700 downloads. We're at 650, 694 right now. So this is asking you to all go out and download Distro Hopper's Digest so we can hit that magic 700. We never thought we'd get that many. Tony can tell you we were... Wishing for 100 when we started this show.
5: Yeah. (laughs) But it's been amazing, hasn't it?
1: It has been. Uh, Listener Dylan Berger has been added to the growing team at It's Moss and added a new feature, Distro Madness 2021. This features head-to-head choices between distros. Everyone gets to go on and do their own voting. We will have a winner emerging We haven't had many visitors to the site on a daily basis, so Dylan came up with this idea to drive new people to the site. The first round of voting is nearly over, so get your votes in now. We intend to have the voting for each round end on the Friday following each whole-numbered episode of Mintcast. I have a new sponsor on Sponsus. Every little bit helps. I'm very grateful for the support. My other project, All Women Housed, is taking some big steps forward. We're currently in the almost phase almost on the shelves in two Southern California grocery chains and in negotiations with a monster chain in Florida most of you have heard of. We have almost completed negotiations for online sales of produce and other products as well. I should have something to actually announce by next episode. I don't want to jinx it by bringing it up now. My mother's estate should be settled in 60 days or less, and that will help a lot. She will finally be laid to rest on Friday, February 26th. All the stresses in my life, let me tell you. Uh, My wife wants a new computer and wants to learn computer art. I had my eye on a 12-core HP Z800 Workstation for her, but Leo convinced me the 8-core would be just fine, and it's cheaper. I'll get that when I get my income taxes back if it's still there. Find another one like it if it's not. Yeah, that seems like a pretty good chip. Uh, Just uh, very, very warm. That's going to be a warm chip, so... uh... It's going to be warm, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dual 4-core Xeons. Yeah. Just point the exhaust fan toward your feet in the winter.
5: (laughs) Sounds like you could do with it in Texas at the moment, Uh, keep yourselves warm. We're (laughs) we're
1: warming, we're thawing out now. He could get the 12-core, that's a triple uh, four-core (laughs) zero. Anyhow, we're now reading book 10 of Dresden Files, small favor. And I can't feed that into uh, Joe, so I guess I'll say what's up with you, Tony.
5: Much of the same old same over here, here in the UK. Still in lockdown, so I'm not able to go anywhere or do anything. So uh, Valentine's last week, we had a meal delivered in. We had a Chinese. Um, on a good note, though, I had my first COVID jab yesterday for those listening after the fact, Saturday the 20th of Feb.
1: Yeah, uh, I didn't even mention that. I had mine on Monday, so. Yeah, oh, yeah. Brilliant. All us old people are Yay. doing good.
5: <laughs> yeah, us old gits have some benefits. <laughs> so I'm halfway now to being a little safer. I'll get my second jab around about the uh, second week in uh, May, because here in the UK, they do it after 12 weeks.
1: So I'll have my second before you have yours.
5: Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I've also been uh, doing a lot of walking during lockdown uh, to try and keep fit because uh, can't go to the gym and things like that. In the last week or so, I've been starting to get uh, a little bit of distance, and the last four or five days, I've managed to do five miles a day, which is good. Uh, not been doing much Linux-wise, uh, although I did install Endeavor OS on one of the... Uh, Toshiba Z30 laptops I've got, and after installing that, um, you know, that that went pretty smoothly. Uh, I always forget about how to use Pac-Man, so uh, I'm going to have to relearn a load of commands before I can start installing new stuff on it, though. Minus uh, capital
1: S Y U, that's all you need.
5: But, uh, yeah, It's it's just muscle memory doing that and everything. The other Z30 has now gone to a new home. Uh, one of uh, the parents of one of our lug members uh, asked me if I had any laptops for sale because she needed a new one for work. Uh, so the other Z30's already had Windows 10 on it in the past, so it was an easy reinstall of Windows 10 on it. And she'd asked me, she wasn't sure whether she could get the driver for the printer scanner she's got, so she'd asked me to do it uh, do a Linux dual boot Uh, because she knew it worked in Linux. But I couldn't get it. Uh, Once I'd got Windows installed, it had taken over the boot process and and made it fast boot. So I couldn't get the menu up to uh, use the USB key to install Linux. Uh, Although talking to the guys last week uh, in the pre-show chat, we, uh, I got told that if I crashed the computer a couple of times, I would have got the menu up anyway. But I didn't think it had the time. So uh, next time it happens, if, if it does, I've got that for future reference. But anyway, it, it turned out that there were dra- Windows 10 drivers for a printer scanner, so I installed them, and she's dead happy. I saw her husband this morning. I was going for a walk, and they only live across the road from me. Uh, and he said, yeah, she was really happy with it. She says it's great.
4: Well, what he means by crashing the computer, um, he means during boot up, you hold down the power button for your 20 seconds while it's trying to boot and let it power all the way back down again, hard power off. And then you do that three or four times. And then when Windows comes up, it'll give you that uh, recovery menu on different things you can do. And you can force it to go directly into the BIOS.
5: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that, Joe. (laughs) So that's really what I've been doing this week. So uh, over to Josh.
0: Thanks, Tony. Uh, Well, I guess the first thing I'd like to announce, since Bo isn't here, is our new podcast called uh, Crowbar Kernel Panic. It is the new official, unofficial Linux Mint gaming podcast, um, hosted by Bo and uh, me, Josh. Basically, just going to be us testing some games and the launchers for the games and seeing how they work and reporting on how, how it is with them and talking about games and such like that. We haven't got everything worked out what we're going to do, but for the most part, that's going to be what it is. So do you, are you guys thinking doing maybe some reviews of some of those games that you're playing too? I don't know if we're going to do like a reviews of the games we're definitely going to do like reviews of how to get them installed and if they work. That's cool. Um
2: how how long do you think the show is going to run? <laughs> like uh like yeah, 30
1: minutes uh, an hour, 2
0: hours? We're aiming for an hour
1: because keep Leo off the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep... <laughs> well, we
2: wait 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 <laughs> Moss. How long was my wanderings?
1: Uh-huh. It was it was good. It was, no, no, it, it was, was good. great. It was, good. it was awesome on time. We, we've got you in time out this
0: <laughs> Yeah,
4: right. Uh, you should all, guys also should do reviews of uh, Steam sales.
0: Yeah, that that's one thing that I was thinking of doing. Yeah, like different sales on the different, um, especially, yeah, like especially Steam because, you know, it N-G-O-G. has Proton and everything and GOG. Um, that's another good one, yes. Keep an eye um, on the Humble Bundles. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. I got to write all this stuff down. <laughs> There's so much we need to do. But we're you
3: gonna, know, a couple we, of weeks ago, I was, I was really, like, seconds away from stealing that YouTube name and
0: trying to sell it back to you and Bo for an inflated <laughs> price. I knew it! <laughs> I you knew don't, it. Take, don't take the cue from the freaking graphics card market, okay? <laughs> <laughs> don't give me time
2: on that either. Oh. Do, y'all have, uh, do y'all have the Twitter name? Uh, uh, I don't know. All right, so go ahead and get that. No, uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> not yet. No, wait,
3: working on it right
2: now. <laughs> At crowbar. Only thousand dollars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Only a thousand dollars, Josh. A steal. No, you know what? I'll do it right now, and then I'll notice I'll spell it wrong, and then someone else will get it.
4: <laughs> oh. that, that, that's when you turn around and you set up the official crowbar kernel panic.
0: Yeah, (laughs) No, that's when we just screw
4: screw Twitter and go to Mastodon. (laughs) There you go, there you go. Yeah, go to Mastodon so you can toot.
0: (laughs) We is a bunch of tutors. (laughs) Yeah, I've only used Mastodon once, and it was kind of confusing, but now that I know more about how to do Federation and things, I think I'll try it again and see what happens. Um... Anyway, yes, that's Crowbar Colonel Panic, and that's going to be coming to a pod catcher near you uh, soon, maybe? I'm not sure. (laughs) At some point. Uh, Anyway, other than that, snow. Seriously, too much snow. Please stop. It's ridiculous. (laughs) There is, uh, it it was 31 inches. We'd say move to Texas, but this is the wrong week to do that. No, that doesn't work. That's not an option. (laughs) No, uh, we got 31 inches in one shot. And that's with multiple other four to five inch snows in between that. And it's like, it's been crazy. Every week we've been at least getting two snowstorms and it hasn't been three days between snowstorms and I've just been running like crazy (laughs) doing snow plowing and, and all that stuff. No, I'm good. Even though we're prepared up here and and the houses are designed to deal with it and all that, it's still, when you're snow plowing, it's not fun. (laughs) So. I fully switched over to Debian on all my servers because I was officially going to use OpenSUSE, but I had so many problems after it installed that I just I, I couldn't justify using it for the long term. Now I don't know if they were my fault, if it was the computer that I was using fault, but two computers definitely had issues with it, and they were the same type of issue. So I'm assuming it was. Open Seus and not the computers themselves. So I abandoned that. It
1: easily could be misunderstanding what the installer is asking, and if that's the case, don't try calculate Linux.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I did I did take that into account, and I I installed it probably like five or six times on both of these computers, and every single time, no matter what I did, always end in the same result. So yeah, I I just gave that up and went to Debian. Worked the first, well, I shouldn't say worked the first time. I had to download the um, ISO with the proprietary firmware. Then it worked for everything. I had no problems with that. That's a little hard to find, but if you type in into Google or, or um, DuckDuckGo Debian non-free, then you'll find it right away. It's like the first or second um, entry. Reasons why I chose Debian versus Ubuntu. Number one, it's not controlled by one entity. Not that I mean, Ubuntu does have Canonical behind it, and it's not like if Canonical said, "Oh, we're not gonna, we're gonna do something stupid um, that no one likes in Linux." It's not that they can't fork it. It's just that they have that power to do that, and then someone would have to fork it, and then who knows what will end up happening with that?
2: Oh, you mean you mean like the whole Debian dev1
0: thing, right? Uh, Debian never gets forked. Yeah, true. Okay, whatever. But I'm on normal Debian or whatever you want to say. So that is that has been stable at least. <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know how good DevOne is doing. I haven't heard a whole lot of amazing things coming out of that. And as a matter of yeah. fact, uh, I think it's going the opposite direction. Though, you know, don't quote me. I, I, I really don't pay that much attention to it. I just...
1: Mm -hmm. usually when you get a bunch of purists together they start getting all pure on each other
2: (laughs) well that's the thing right i mean you 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 fork off (laughs) and then you end up infighting because you know i'm more pure than you and you you're you're not pure enough and you need to get out of here go back to debian you know that that whole (laughs) conversation is going to end up happening and yeah it's it's tough it's tough to, to keep something like that up but anyway good on you uh debian's fantastic it's a great base and it's a it's a great home
0: yeah. And, and, and in all honesty, I haven't really noticed anything that is drastically different than Ubuntu. I, I mean, nothing that I would be, I, I didn't have any problem with it. I should say that. Everything there's, I did. There's
2: one thing that I noticed going to Debian that uh, that you don't experience on Ubuntu is when you type in something like a slightly misspell a command, mm-hmm. it will, uh, Ubuntu will come back and be like, hey, that doesn't exist. Maybe you were talking about this. That's a purely Ubuntu thing. But uh, Debian, yeah, it's just like, Nope, command not found. <laughs> just, you know, go figure it out, man.
0: Fish shell fixes that. Oh, I keep talking cool. about
1: Open Mandriva for just that reason. If you type your password wrong, anyone else says, nope, try again. Right, Mandriva tosses an insult at you, and it's <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, it's a
0: different insult every time you do it. <laughs> yeah, no, Debian doesn't insult you, but yeah, no, if you use the Fish Shell, it, it does suggest other things, and and just like Ubuntu does, actually, probably even better than Ubuntu, unless you use Fish Shell also on Ubuntu. Yeah, I, I didn't use the Fish Shell on my servers, but I did try it out on one of my laptops, and that it did fix that issue. But I usually just Google the things. If if something doesn't work, I just type it into Google and then I realize I either misspelled it or it was just slightly off. It includes the proprietary software uh, firmware in the um, one of their ISOs, the non-free one. And personally, as a last point for Debian, I actually like the installer better than I like Ubuntu's installer. I, I just found it to be more straightforward and it looks nicer, especially the server version. The server version on Ubuntu is all text based, and this one has a GUI actually, which is really nice. Oh man, I love
2: the text base, man. It, it's it's just so much simpler to go through that. Now, like when you're doing like really complex hard drive things, uh, disk partitioning things, then that gets a little mm, not great. But I mean, if you're installing it on a VM or something like that, just mm-hmm. enter, 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 enter. I mean, you don't even have to care what it looks like.
0: Well, that's what you can do on on the GUI on Debian too. You can do the same thing. You, you even with with, with yeah with, with the GUI, you just you can press enter, 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 enter your password and all that stuff, and you're done. You don't have to like search through things or anything like that.
2: True, but I also don't have to dedicate more than sixteen megabytes of RAM to uh to video memory.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yes, okay, it depends on your situation. I do, yeah, but they also have a, a uh what do I call it a uh text based installer as well. I didn't oh, try yeah, they, that they one, do. but. Yeah, but the GUI installer is really nice. Like it, it looks amazing.
4: Now, three sets of uh, command line in instructions that are just formatting nightmares. That's uh, formatting drives, DD, and YouTube DL. <laughs> uh, I, I, I all three of those, I greatly prefer to have some kind of UI. Yeah, form. I,
0: I agree with you, especially especially for the disk partitioning. It's it's much easier to see what you're doing on each disk than, you know, having to be like, oh, I got to type in to see what disk I'm on, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, oh, but I was going to say, too, now, I didn't realize this until, like, the last time I installed it, but if you don't put in a root password, it does the same thing as Ubuntu does and installs sudo and pretty much sets it up just like Ubuntu where you just press sudo everything. Now, if you put a root password, it doesn't install sudo and you have to sue into the root and do everything that way if you need to and then exit out of it. You can install sudo yourself and set it up, but that's much harder than just not putting in the root password and doing it the other way. If you do sudo and not do su. Also, I set up a Matrix Synapse, which Matrix is a chat a back end for a chat platform that you can have end-to-end encryption chats with. And basically what that means is you talk to someone else on Matrix and only you and the other person can see that message. Anywhere in between, they would have to decrypt the message to be able to see it. So I set that up with Debian as the server, and I did all that on Linode. And I can't say enough uh, about Linode. It's, it's really nice. The dashboard is nice. You can rebuild your server like within seconds, not even a minute it took to rebuild it. And I had to do it several times <laughs> to get all that working.
3: No, I definitely, I definitely agree with you about Lenovo. Josh, um, I actually I use them too because I run a uh, a tour relay, and even their customer service is really great. They <laughs> yeah. get back to you super quick. And- oh yeah.
1: And if you sign up with Linode and use the code Mintcast, <laughs> you will get exactly zero added benefits.
0: <laughs> oh, I was waiting for that. No, but uh, no. Uh, seriously, though, I, I I would promote them without them paying me because I mean they're they're just that good. I mean, I, I yeah. DigitalOcean, I tried and it was a nightmare from start to be uh, start to end. <laughs> Same experience with me too with DigitalOcean. It's awful. yeah, it was bad. It was bad. The customer service was bad. The everything. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was me. I don't know. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I've, I've used DigitalOcean in the past. Um, and also not I a sponsor. <laughs> did not have an issue with them. But I've met the guy, uh, a bunch of the guys from uh, Linode at uh, Texas Linux Fest. I think it was two years back now. And they did seem like pretty cool guys. And they sometimes offer some really good deals for um, initial pricing. So yeah. they're definitely worth checking out
0: yeah well I got the hundred dollar free credit um for, exactly. from one of the podcasts and i mean I can pretty much run it for run the matrix synapse for two months for free, which is really nice i mean it's only five dollars a month and so far what i've the people who have signed up it hasn't bogged it down at all so that i it's gonna go for a while on the on the five dollar uh what do they call them uh instance i guess <laughs> do they do do they have the cutoff
4: that uh, DigitalOcean does? Because I know DigitalOcean was offering like, what like, kind of a cutoff? like 50 or or $100, but you had to use it within two months.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the matter, you can, you can use all that $100 within the two months, or you can only you only can use the $5 for two months. Like it cuts off at two months no matter, well, I shouldn't say that, because if you use $100 before the two months, then it'll charge you and then after the two months, no matter what, it shuts it off. Right, okay. Unless you pay. Keep paying, or whatever.
1: And you will pay.
0: (laughs) My dad has finally upgraded his TV. Hooray! I am so happy, because the TV he had before was just... I didn't like it at all. It was bad. (laughs) It was just bad. Yeah, he got a 65-inch LG Nano 90. It's a 4K TV, and... It's really, really amazing. It's beautiful without, uh, with some tweaks. I don't know if it was me that tweaked it or if it was the AI that they say they have. I don't know if that like learned over time and tweaked it because I I know I set it up and I had to leave to pick up my wife. I came back and everything looked amazing. (laughs) So, no, you see, what happened
2: was he went back to real life, and then you started watching real life on TV, and it just looked better on TV, I think.
5: <laughs> and like, ah, I wish I was at the beach. Maybe. 65-inch telly. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, a 19-inch CRT telly <laughs> was massive. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was uh, massive because world, it was— though, Tony. It was 180 <laughs> pounds. It yeah. 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 also worked as point. a
4: dining room table. Yep.
5: Yep. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> I had one of those it, it, in my room for a long time. It had an you LP know, player on top. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know, though, uh, for the tweaks, it, it might have been the third-party hacker edition that uh, LG invites over there, right? Because uh, it's a smart TV, right? And surely it just popped in through UPnP and it's accessible
1: over the internet. No big deal
0: uh yeah i know i know smart stuff is kind of yeah well
1: and you can get one on amazon with alexa built in yeah oh yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: no there yeah
2: it alexa do a virus scan (laughs) (laughs) i am a virus thank
1: you (laughs) no but uh, alexa how are things at the nsa today (laughs)
0: <laughs> Great, we're watching are you. Off.
1: <laughs> I have literally asked her, and she says, "I work for Jeff Bezos." <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine says the same thing. Not anymore. Yeah.
0: He stepped down. At least Ooh. the CEO. True. Yeah, the picture quality of this one out of the box was like just—it was horrible for 1080p or lower content. I don't know why, but it was—it was really bad. Like I can't even describe how bad it was. It was just like. I don't know. It was like you took a camera and put it out of focus and that's what you filmed on. <laughs> that's all I can say. But uh with with a couple tweaks or the AI, I don't know, or the hackers or whatever, something made it look amazing. And now it's pretty darn good and for 4K content, it's absolutely amazing. Like it it blows everything I've ever seen out of the water. <laughs> as long as you got a nice 4K stream coming through. Um yeah, Netflix price gouging. Okay. So I just my dad like he was he was like oh yeah so I have Netflix let's sign up so we, we we put it all in and everything we looked on there and I'm like why is this picture crap I don't understand why this is crap so I go on his Netflix I look on the thing and now they have three tiers of their pricing one for standard definition not 720p I'm talking 480p that is their first tier that is 8.99 a month. Then you have their HD, which is 1080p. That is, uh, what was it, 14? Yeah, I think 14.99 a month. And then they had their HD and 4K, which is 17.99 a month. I almost died when I saw that because you can get Hulu and, um, yeah, Hulu, Disney Plus, and um, Discovery Plus for a little more than that. And they all have 4K content. You can get all three of those for the same price as the the 4k uh, netflix i don't know why their price is like that i have no idea They're price gouging most definitely in that in that case that seems strange too especially in this day and age of increased competition
3: from every other company in the world who's starting their own streaming channel it's yeah
4: well every other company in the world has kind of pulled their content from netflix right it, it, it's probably getting harder and harder for them to maintain their business model.
0: Welcome yeah, back, regular that.
4: cable that we <laughs> hated in the first place. Yeah,
0: it's like I said, everyone's going to gonna get all these streaming services and then someone's going to bundle them together and then call it cable TV. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's going to be
4: some cable-like service that's completely online.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please understand that when you're streaming 4K or 1080p, you are streaming a lot of data. Oh, yeah. Well, At not only that, it's compressed. Streaming 720 or normal, you're going to save a Lot, not, they have data caps at a lot of uh, cable companies.
2: You're not getting the 80-gig Blu-ray rip. It's it's extremely compressed. It's well, that's probably true.
0: H.265 if you're lucky. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. You're right. It is well, probably. they still
1: have data caps at Comcast and all sure, those places. Sure.
0: Hmm. Right. But for one TV, you're not going to go over that data cap. Now, maybe if you have four TVs going all 4K, yeah. But um Netflix price gouging, I will say it again. WebOS kind of sucks compared to Roku's UI. I was, everyone I've ever talked about WebOS has said, oh, it's amazing, all this stuff. And I was like, okay, so it must be good. And after using it on this TV, I'm not convinced. It's just, I don't know, there's something that's just not, it, first off, it's way more complex than Roku's UI. I mean, Roku's UI is so simple that anyone could use it, anyone at all. I mean, I don't care who yeah, you Yeah, that's are. kind of the point. Yeah. But, uh, but the w- w- way that they have WebOS set up, I mean... It's nice that you have a little remote that's like a wand that you can have a, a mouse pointer on the screen, a cursor, and you can click things and it works really well, but it comes on and off randomly. It doesn't like, like if you set the mouse or the yeah, the mouse, <laughs> the uh, controller down, it goes off. And then when you pick it back up, you have to press a button to get it to come back on the screen. If you don't press that button, you're like, where is it? And you can't figure it out, you know? And it took me a while to figure out how to get it back on the screen. But even with that, it's still confusing on how to use everything on that thing, and the settings. Oh uh, man, they're even more confusing. But that's probably every TV with the wording they use and all that crap.
2: So WebOS c- is LG's TV operating system, right? Yeah, right. Okay. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's well. They they skinned it to look, you know. However, they I love to. WebOS.
1: I really do. This is going back to Palm OS. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, HP almost went. All whole hog on their entire line of computers with webOS, and then they shot. they didn't
0: yeah, well, yeah, these guys I don't know i don't I don't like it so I'm good my dad ordered a roku, a better one, the 4k one, so we're gonna see how that goes and yeah, that's gonna be that. I know it's gonna be better than than the webOS. another thing I learned is not all 4k or 1080 p content is the same. every TV channel you switch to, it looks different. Like The contrast look. is different, the color is different, the resolution is different, and then inside of each show, they use five different cameras, and each of those cameras look different. So one shot's amazing, another shot is crap. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you can upscale anything. You can take old Looney Tunes and upscale yeah. them up to 1080p. That doesn't make them 1080p but, outside no,
2: well, of just the actual resolution on the,
0: I, on the file. I will argue you on that, because this TV is amazing at doing that now after it got Whatever it did, it, it, we were watching Seinfeld. I, when they went in on him and his face, I could see the pores almost on his face. It was that good. I couldn't believe it. I was blown away at that. And that's like you know, that's an old show, you know. That, well, that, I, I that th- was... think there's a difference though. Like like Seinfeld on the DVD
2: and Seinfeld on the VHS obviously look different, but the right. source files that they have. Yeah. Uh, you know, behind the scenes that they're not giving you because they mm-hmm. don't fit on the DVD. Those, I think, are something that you can broadcast, but you still get compression over the air.
4: Yeah. And those uh, original files that, you know, are recorded, um, those actually have a higher resolution than what they were broadcast at. Okay, so they so, can go back and, right. and make another print of it that is that higher quality. Okay. and then send that out you right. see that sometimes with some older movies and then you look at those older movies that are now coming out in, in 1080p or 4k and they don't look as good because you can see things like wires holding right. up props and right right something and, and they didn't account for how poor some of those actual props look because they, <laughs> they were designed well enough to look good at you know 480 or 720 and right. then now in 1080 or 4k you can really see those blemishes and how plasticky and stupid it looks right
0: yep yep no i agree with you on that but but this one upscales it very well i can say i mean maybe you're right with the whole you know they can go back and, and give it a better um, resolution but i mean we were watching even some old you know cowboy stuff uh you know black and white it, it looked pretty good I mean, it, I was impressed at how well it it, it um, upscaled it. I uh, I'm definitely on the LG TV bandwagon at this point. It's pretty nice, other than WebOS. <laughs> uh, so anyway, for my last point, I am turning LMDE4 into a rolling release.
5: Now come on, <laughs> I'm interested about this. So <laughs> Linux Mint, the Mint te- the Linux Mint team introduced lmde back in uh i think it was around 2010 2011 and originally it was a rolling release and then they decided there was too many problems with it so when they redid it and started on the lmde 1 2 3 etc right they went to stable so why do you want to go back to rolling (laughs) i really it's not that i want to it's just that i i
0: I want to see how well it's going to work in general. Like, I just was curious because I noticed that you can upgrade Debian Stable to SID. So I figured, why couldn't you just upgrade LMD4 to SID? And so far, I've tried it once. And all you have to do is change in the sources file where it gets um, the repos for Debian. You have to change it to SID instead of Buster. (laughs) If you've ever watched Toy Story...
2: To know who oh, Sid yeah. is, ah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, Sid's the but naughty I've I've one. Be careful. I've, I've, I've only tried this once, and I believe I changed the wrong repo because it worked, but it got rid of a couple of Mint tools that were installed, and I think it was either the repo that i changed or there was a couple questions asked and said did you want to keep this or did you want to get rid of this and those kind of things and i think i might have said the wrong thing in one of them so i'm I'm gonna play around with this and i want to see how it's going to work but i'm very interested in to see if this is going to work and if it's going to last
5: yeah, let us know how you get on. <laughs> next
0: episode, he'll be like, well, I had to rebuild it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to rebuild it probably several times, except for, that. well, this time I forgot to put ButterFS as the file system so I could just go back to the original. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I'm doing that next yeah, time. Yeah, those, those snapshots Wait a will minute. save you.
1: L-M-D-E with ButterFS on rolling. Yep. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> Why did not you just put Plasma on it while you're at it? Hmm. I don't like Plasma. Well, there we <laughs> <you laughs> go. This <laughs> is my desktop. <laughs> Enlightenment.
5: Eh, just just don't go complaining to the uh, LND yeah, forums. Yeah. That's that, where I'm that, going first. It's not working. <laughs> this is not working. I didn't do
0: anything to it at all. What is wrong? Oh, <laughs> no. yeah, there it is.
3: <laughs> just release
1: it as a new distro. <laughs>
3: yeah, there we go. Linux Mint Frankenstein edition. Ooh, there that's you a
1: good go. One. I like it. I like
0: it. <laughs> Okay, well, that's it that for me. That would be LMFE. <laughs> LMFE, yeah. Well, that's it for me. So I guess it's on to the news. So,
2: in the news, hey, we, we I, I mentioned at the very beginning of this, there was some controversy. Hey, you've likely heard all this controversy before on some other podcast, but I love controversies. So why not rehash it? So we've got uh, Virtual Studio Code comes to the Raspberry Pi, but not in the way that you might expect. Um, who, added the, uh, who added the flavor here?
5: I added uh-huh. that. <laughs> I just thought it'd be something to have a nather about. Of course. There's, there's been various... Uh, Shall we say tinfoil hat uh, brigade, uh, writing lots and lots and lots and lots of uh, controversial uh, blog posts and and making videos on YouTube and stuff like that. The one I've found that talks the most sense, actually, is uh, Jeff Gearing. Uh, he does a YouTube cha- uh, channel and uh, he did a YouTube video, which is a link in the show notes to is Microsoft spying on your Raspberry Pi. And it is actually a really balanced uh, take on uh, uh, virtual Studio Code, be uh, the repo being included in the uh, new Raspberry Pi OS.
1: Yeah, if you want to see someone really going over the edge, check switch to Linux.
5: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he, he goes really over the edge on everything. Ranted.
0: His tinfoil <laughs> hat is on so tight, his head's popping off.
5: <laughs> but, um, the, ma- the main flap is the fact that uh, the foundation put this into uh, Raspberry Pi OS before letting people know that it was going to be part of the uh, the new iso um instead and uh jeff kind of take on it is maybe they should have just said look there is a repo available if you want to download it if you want to install uh, virtual studio code install the repo and then you can you can grab it if you want it otherwise we'll leave it out but um they did it the other way i I don't see it's a major issue. You can take it out if you want to, um, but like I say, Jeff did a really balanced uh, video about it. And at the end of the video, he says, "Am I going to continue using Raspberry Pi OS?" He says, "Yeah, of course I am."
2: Yeah. I, uh, apparently, I said, v- "Virtual Studio, Visual Studio." Anyway, um. Yeah, Visual Studio. Yeah, shoot. like uh, I, I can't, I can't. I, I mean, my tin hat's on too, but I can't see this as anything other than. It wasn't meant for you in the first place, right? Like, I think Raspberry <laughs> Pi is for learners. It's for people that are learning to code and things like that. And, I mean, why wouldn't you give them the tools that they will likely be using day-to-day anyway? Just have it right there ready to go. But, but why wouldn't they just put VS Codeium on? Well, I don't know. Probably because Microsoft gives them money to make sure that it's VS Code instead of VS Codeium. But the reason, I th- the bigger reason, the, the more overarching reason is that why do they care? Well, Raspberry Pi never had any kind of crazy uh, commitment to free and open source software, though.
1: No. Yeah, yeah Raspberry the, the Pi whole... is educational hardware for educational software. Let's leave it that way. If people want to yeah. run Windows on it,
0: they can run Windows on it. Ha ha. The problem with it is that the Linux community kind of grabbed it and they took it and it made it theirs. Like, and, and that's the reason why this whole thing blew up as much well, as it they- did.
2: Th- That's really
0: nice Linux... that we are buying
1: lots of Raspberry Pis to use on Linux, but that doesn't give us control over the platform. Exactly. Right. It, it doesn't that.
2: matter how many we have. It doesn't matter if we're 80% of the market share. I mean, they're They are the ones that get to control this, and if for some reason you feel like the Raspberry Pi Foundation is doing a poor job of maintaining Raspberry Pi OS, you know what you can move to? Ubuntu. Or Debian or Manjaro or they like something that is meant for Linux <laughs> or by a Rock
1: sixty
2: four. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. There, there's so many different alternative options that that you have that I think, in my opinion, are better. That uh, it, number one, if you want to stay on Raspberry Pi OS, it is literally a hash mark to fix this you add the hash mark in front of the repository and it'll never ping it again or you can even change it in the image so you never actually boot up with that repo in the first place so uh, the the fix is so simple that but i that's don't know why work. I, what uh, i know but we're talking about people that already obviously work enough to go look into the into the sources.list that to to get mad about this in the first place so, so you're true. already in there looking at it <laughs> add a hash mark before you leave yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like it's a, a much ado about nothing, but I I get it. You know, Microsoft bad, but I, I yeah, just fix it. Just fix it.
5: My my take on this is, if if you if you're treating it as a Linux computer, go back and read the history of the Raspberry Pi. It was nothing to do with Linux. They chose Linux because trying to put Windows on a $35 computer would have been impossible yep. unless they could have come to a deal with Microsoft in the first and place. No, no, no,
2: not without, not and, without and some
5: money exchange. Windows that, CE. That. So, you know, the whole the whole uh, ethos of the Raspberry Pi back in 2008 when they first started talking about this, um, Eben and um, the other guy, uh, whose name escapes me just at the minute, uh, was because the the computer science stud, uh, students that were coming through that they were trying to teach didn't have the knowledge of the students 20 years before them because they hadn't grown up with computers that they had to program themselves and to do programming. And that's why they developed a cheap computer that people could start learning to program. And that was the whole ethos behind it. A- exactly,
2: exactly. The programming languages at their fore- were at the forefront, not
5: the operating system. So, uh, and that's why it's called the pie, <laughs> because it's a, ta- it's, uh, a take on, uh, you know, pie as in mathematics. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think some of these people that are getting on the high horse need to go and look at the uh, history behind the Raspberry yeah, Pi. Yeah, very much so.
2: Oh, well, I like it. Um, honestly, you know, one, one question I've had that, that I, I haven't gotten answered just yet, uh, mostly because I haven't booted it up to find out, diet pie. They are a, you know, ready-made, basically, solution. You want NextCloud, click the button. You want Mopity, click the button. You want whatever, click the button, right? They they take Raspberry Pi and just add a bunch of automated scripts to it to make your life easy setting things up. I wonder if they have VS Code in there because they're not a GUI-style uh, uh, spin off Raspberry Pi OS. There's no You can install a GUI, but not by default. Uh, so I do wonder. I'll, I'll need to go in and check about that because um, usually if I'm going to use... Raspberry Pi OS, it's going to be via Diet Pi, so I'm, I, I don't know. And you know, if if the repo's in there, I'll add a hash mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, the controversy doesn't stop there, and it doesn't stop being Microsoft related. Uh, the other one that popped up was uh, Microsoft Azure and Ubuntu. Yeah. So um, yeah. So when you spin up, obviously, when you spin up. In uh, an Ubuntu-flavored instance on Azure, there are a bunch of flags that go off. And apparently, uh, Microsoft will, or Ubuntu, will come and let you know, hey, uh, I saw that you spun up an Ubuntu instance on Azure. Let me know if you need anything. Uh, The the big issue about this one was that uh, this was not on a corporate LinkedIn. It was a LinkedIn message, but not to the user's corporate account. It was to his personal account. So I think really uh, this is all expected. Is this not expected, that this kind of behavior and this kind of information sharing? Is it not expected? Do you all Just expect this kind of Just because you
1: expect it doesn't make it something that you're ready for.
2: That's very true. But I mean, how long? I mean, this
1: guy was booting up this instance on his company's computer and bing, he's getting email or getting a message from Ubuntu's uh Customer service person saying, hey, we just noticed he did that on his personal email. Uh, Right. But, you know, that's a little too much sharing for a lot of people with their tinfoil hats to be able to sit still for. Yeah,
2: for for your tinfoil hat. Yeah, sure. But how many people that that sign up for Facebook and LinkedIn and everybody else are wearing a tinfoil hat? They're not. I think the vast majority of people don't care. This is
1: the type of thing that makes people start folding up their tinfoil. Oh, get out of here.
2: This is not going to change anything. And to be honest with you, this is not going to change the information sharing between the companies. It's just going to stop Ubuntu from emailing you about it or sending you a LinkedIn message. We know that that stirs up controversies so we're just not going to do it. But we're still going to get the information. None of that's going to change. The TOS isn't going to change. The EULA is not going to change. None of that's going to change.
1: So- but it does help if you don't throw it in the user's face. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And that's the only actual issue here. It's that now it's apparent that they are sharing our information and not just regular information, not corporate information. We're sharing our personal information because you have a personal LinkedIn and you have a corporate LinkedIn. Did you think that those weren't gonna get tied together? Like it, it is just baffling to me every time someone's like, Hey, this social media platform is sharing way too much information about me. Yeah. Man, that's what they were invented for. It's not like they let you log into this thing for free for nothing. You're the product. If you're not the customer,
0: you're the product. You're
2: the product. And then people get all bent out of shape when they,
0: (gasps) they're the product. And then they look at other solutions and they're too hard to get started on. And they're like, eh, I'll just go back to the other thing. I don't mind being the
2: product. Ain't nobody going to use Matrix, man. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join it. I'm going to get on there. But it's because I'm a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I just, this one, again, just kind of, this is what I've been screaming about for years, and then it happens, and then people get bent out of shape. I just don't understand. You should have got bent out of shape 15 years ago. This is not so the time to get bent out get of bent shape. why you bent
1: out of shape then if you're not going to get bent out of shape now?
2: Well, I mean, like, I, I am permanently bent out of shape. It is baffling to me that people also are not at my level of shape bending. It is this stuff should have been shut down years ago, but now it's a problem. It was a problem then it is also a problem now. I'm not saying it's not a problem. I'm just saying i mean how how loud do you have to be? how loud do i mean we get we get pushed into a corner. we're like, oh, you're crazy. But I mean, come on, we've been, this is, this is forever. I'm I'm glad people are getting, getting attuned to it and, and, and seeing it for what it is now. But I mean, it's been apparent for, for a very, very long time. So eh, eh, it's, yeah, it's been going on for forever now. It's just in your face. So maybe it does wake somebody up. I, I would appreciate that. That'd be great. <laughs> but how many people are gonna, how many people are gonna really, you know, delete their LinkedIn because of this? Do you think anybody's going to actually do that? Will, will y'all
0: do that? No. Exactly. No.
2: Exactly. So.
0: Mm, I need know, a job. It, so I, yeah, eventually. So I need that. <laughs> it,
2: it's, it's, a good, it's a good conversation to, you know, stick your shovel down into the ground and be like, this is where I stand, but I'm going to still keep my LinkedIn account. I'm going to still do this. I'm going to still do that. And it's like, I know. I know. Nobody changes their mind over things like this, but, you know, it's not like we haven't been talking about it forever. Anyway, I'll get off. I'll get off my uh, my soapbox, and we'll talk about uh, Linux and space, space, space. <laughs> the Mars Lander, the helicopter named Ingenuity, is powered by Linux. Ah, is that is that amazing? Is it the year of the Linux desktop now?
4: Year of the Linux desktop on Mars. <laughs> Linux is the dominant operating system on Mars. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Actually, on Mars right now, they're having a discussion about it turning into a monoculture. They don't want to do it. Ah, uh, See, so we're going to have to ship some
2: Windows up there and some macOS up there eventually then, huh? Maybe, maybe they'll no. start they'll, they'll it with the BSDs. Watch your language. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, what you're really referring to is GNU slash Mars slash Linux. There it is, man. That's really cool, though. I'm I'm so excited to see Linux just be all over the place. The more we talk about Linux, the more uh, I think people understand what it is, and I think that's just a great thing.
5: I still think this would make a good show, talking about all the intriguing places Linux is. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely be. 100% on board but with that. But we're
4: going to do that as an innards one of these times, right?
5: Maybe. Ooh, that'd be oh. good one.
2: Sounds good. So not just on Mars, and not really Linux, but some software... Uh, is going to the moon. VLC, Mike, you uh, you you uh, introduce this one?
3: Yeah. So in continuing with our open source software taking over the solar system, uh, VLC is going to the moon as part of its twentieth anniversary. VLC is actually going to send a time capsule up to the moon, shaped like a traffic cone, like their like their icon. That's got to be. Yeah. Exactly. And the time capsule is going to be filled with uh, one terabyte micro SD cards. Containing user videos and classic films. Uh, so I guess kind of uh, whatever's in the public domain that they can get on there is going to be included.
2: Wait, wait, wait. What, what are cool. they going to do? They, they're not going to respond to no DMCA on the moon. They go ahead and just, <laughs> right, go ahead and right? just put out like uh, Marvel Avengers or something like that. Oh, just put it on there. Why not? What, what are you going to do? Go to the moon. Take the SD they're card. they just trying and... to reserve
1: a parking space, people.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you got it. I mean, who wants to get a, uh, you know, a meter made to put a boot on your flux capacitor out there? Ah, there it is. Are
4: are they gonna are they gonna offer a, a data dump of that? Like they have a list of everything that they have on there and here you can grab the whole X number of terabytes.
1: Sure, let's issue a cease and desist to VLC's moon landing. I I think that would be absolutely
2: <laughs> hilarious and VLC's like, Well, we already launched it. What do you want us to
3: do? Or I wonder if maybe they're they're planning on going back and getting it twenty years from now or, or something, but
4: you guys can go and uh, get it anytime you want to see right. yeah, how your DMCA take down works. Then
2: yeah, just it's it's up there on the moon. You can go take it down whenever you want.
3: Yeah. So in, in addition to the to the classic films, they're also allowing ordinary users to submit videos of their own and and have it included. What? So if you guys, yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna have your own video included, just be sure to get your submissions sent in by yesterday. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it just <laughs> closed off
2: man that would be cool though you get just uh, just a quick five second clip of you waving hi to any any alien that decides to come the by aliens will know who you are well yeah i'll be long dead by then i'm sure
4: just make reaction videos for all the movies that um that they're sending up there and then you know record it and here you go so just send a bunch of tiktoks is what you're saying yeah
2: All right. Yeah, just imagine if aliens come across something like that, right? Like they figure out how to run VLC and run all that content inside of it, and they're like, "What is a dance?
3: A TikTok dance? What is this Fortnite?" Oh yeah, the aliens around the galaxy trying out the Tide Pod Challenge. Oh no! Well,
2: I don't know. It depends on if they're good or bad aliens, right? Like I don't know how to feel about that yet.
4: They all start riding skateboards and singing.
2: (laughs) Oh yes! Get some apple juice. All right. It was so cranberry juice. Oh, that's right. It was cranberry. So we made the list,
1: Moss. What? What we list? We did. The 2020 LanceQuestions.org members choice awards voting is over. We did great. So there what do we three- win? Did we
2: get do we get a plaque? Where do we uh, so we're gonna so we're basically gonna have to like you I'll have the plaque I'll have the plaque for one month and then I'll send it to Tony no, and he'll have no the plaque, plaque.
1: for <laughs> if you've got plaque, talk to your dentist. Ah, true, true. Okay, there was a three way tie for best Linux slash open source podcasts. The winners, which are Bad Voltage, GNU World Order, and Command Line Heroes, had 14 votes each. Fourth place had Floss Weekly tied with Late, light, late Night Linux with 10 votes each. And Mintcast was alone in sixth place with nine votes. Now, Linux Action News had eight votes, and Ubuntu Podcast had six votes. There were- Yay! We Woo-woo.
5: beat Woo-woo. Ubuntu. Uh-uh. <laughs>
1: There were now, 21 podcasts nominated. I know that's just we a sliver of the community, of,
2: but uh, it, it still feels good.
1: It's a good sliver, though. I take it, the win. We, we like this sliver. <laughs> <laughs> Mintcast has done better each of the past three years. We started in the middle of the pack, and we've moved up. We're now literally third place, if you count the ties as being the same place.
2: And and I promise, but, I'm <laughs> not skewing those results at all. I don't have a I don't have an account over there.
1: <laughs> Please, people, don't get either. an account and vote for us, we could move up. One more vote, we'd be tied for the next place, you know? One more vote, we'd be
5: tied for fourth. If everyone who downloaded this podcast joined it, we'd be number one. (laughs) Way. Forever. Super easy.
1: Forever. (laughs) You can also mention, I think uh, Leo pointed out, that uh, in the best distro, Slackware came in second. So this shows how you can uh stack the voting yeah <laughs> we need to include a link with like how to set up an account and like how to vote and... <laughs> just go to listquestions.org. i put links in in past but we show need to notes make people we've talked about it as easy as possible we did well, in previous podcasts pre- previous <laughs> so episodes the, we had it the poll that
2: Moss was talking about was uh, the the desktop distribution of the year obviously ubuntu gets uh first by a long shot but slackware five votes behind uh, four votes behind and yeah so uh ubuntu with 131 votes Slackware with 127 votes but linux mint in third was place third. yeah yep. so um hey man we're 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 up there like a little mint cast like a little linux mint yeah it's
1: pretty cool i appreciate that the next bit is pine 64 is chosen manjaro arm and kde plasma ui for future pine phones that's cool. Of course, you're welcome to install whatever you'd like, but this is going to be the default from here forward. The tyranny of the default, Moss. It's not my default.
5: <laughs> Anyone who, who uh, buys a Pine64 phone then will be able to say, I run out. Ooh. Oh, wow. That just hit me. Yeah.
2: No, that's no joke. Oh, no.
5: <laughs> it better- well, especially
2: if you buy the keyboard with it. Yeah. It better come with a sticker.
4: <laughs> and a T-shirt and a hat.
3: It hey, might as well. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's probably just the ringtone. Every time your ringtone goes off, it just
4: says, "I run Arch. I run." Yes. got <laughs> a giant decal for your car in neon green. I Arch is calling you. <laughs> Ask me about Arch. <laughs> 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 so
2: next up, I moved it from security because I couldn't find a whole lot of security stuff about it. But, uh, yeah, don't forget the Linux kernel 5.11 is now released, not LTS, of course, but the first kernel release of 2021. Uh, Mike, what did you find out about this one?
3: Uh, So, yeah, like you said, it's the first release of 2021, and it's going to have support for Wi-Fi 6, which will be big, I think, uh, as we go on. Uh, It's also going to have new hardware enablement for both Intel and AMD. And uh, I guess the the biggest new feature with this is going to be a new functionality called Syscall User Dispatch, which is uh, used for running modern Windows games with Proton or Wine. Um, The Syscall User Dispatch is basically a functionality, uh, it's compatibility layers to quickly capture system calls issued by an application that's not part of the kernel, from what I understand. Oh,
2: that's really cool. So this is this is basically helping with dxvk. So yeah. it, it it captures those system calls and, and yeah. feeds it to dxvk faster.
0: Is that well, kind of what it, this is? How it works? It like, it, wine is really good at at trans translating um, Windows calls, but not so good at kernel. So what this is doing is it's sending it to it's sending it through wine to the game and then back up to. Whatever this is to translate it again
3: keeps it all in the user space without having to invoke <laughs> yes. the kernel each time. Wow! Right. Wow!
2: That is super cool. And the Wi-Fi 6 thing—if uh, if you caught any of Bo's live stream where he's doing the uh, the Raspberry Pi uh, webcam thing—every uh, time he tried to download something with the Pi, <laughs> his uh, his quality went uh, down by a lot, and. Uh, he kept saying, Oh, but I've got Wi-Fi six. I've got Wi-Fi six. I'm like, No, you don't. You're not on kernel five dot eleven. So maybe he just <laughs> didn't have support for Wi-Fi six, and that's that's why it was being so bad.
3: Yeah, that definitely could be. I could I could easily see that being the case. So maybe if he tries with uh five dot eleven when that comes out, it should be good to go, hopefully. That's pretty cool. Uh,
2: is it uh, actually, you know what? Let me go let me go kernel.org. Is it out yet? It is, it's mainline. So uh, he could through Uku, U K U U. Uh, you can go download and install five point eleven and give it a shot. Ooh, interesting. Anyway, last thing, and this was just a late addition because I really wanted to talk about it because I really love keyboards. And Joe, this might be uh, this might be up your alley as well. But System seventy six making an open source keyboard so it's got open firmware it everything is open a- everything so it'll work on windows it'll work on mac with a little with a little um tinkering on the software side <laughs> but it's going to be a linux first keyboard
1: <laughs> and it's got the backspace key on the wrong side
2: i, I think the cool thing about this keyboard <laughs> you though can put is it that where you want yeah because it's open source you can do whatever you want to with it you okay well, I,
4: programmable I s- keyboard is
2: awesome yes I did saw- they see what kind of switches are going to be in it uh, cherry, so greens. Uh, it's going to be a cherry no, greens. Gross, no way. Um, yeah, I would suspect uh, it, it. Maybe cherry reds or cherry blacks
4: or something. I don't know. Hopefully, it's hot swappable. It, that it would is. be it, really it nice. Absolutely it absolutely will be yes oh. and if, if it's no hot way. swappable i'll buy my own greens or blues and put them in there oh yeah, yeah. so
2: what what uh what they're doing is it's going to be as long as your switch is cherry it's got the same cherry mx footprint you can swap out whatever you get and then put in whatever you want so i think the uh the kale um switches are available for that and then there there are a few others as well but i think seriously I might just go out and buy a whole set of pinks because uh, J- Joe and I were having this conversation a while ago. He likes them extremely loud. I like them extremely quiet. Um, so I would probably go with Cherry MX pinks. And, yeah, Joe's going to go with some other abomination.
1: Green, greens or blues. Gross. Just gross. Available late summer 2021. So cool, well, man. I, you know, I might go with short throw blacks. Hey,
4: okay. Now
2: you don't have a clicky with that. You know, just the bottom out sound. I can handle that.
4: Yeah, and and very short throw distance, so your your typing experience is a little bit quicker. But it, it would depend on uh, a couple of factors because if I'm going to throw a lot of money at a keyboard, people are going to know I have a keyboard. Ugh, no, in man. the next room.
2: It's it's like uh, you know when you've done something right, no one will know you've done anything at all. Yeah, that's that's how I take keyboards.
4: Uh, well,
0: so Joe, I like the feedback. <laughs> I how how hard would it be for me to take the switches out of my Corsair keyboard and put them into that keyboard. Okay. You will probably um,
2: destroy the Corsair
0: keyboard in the process, but it would work.
4: Corsair, your Corsair keyboard has what type of uh, keys in it? It has MX Cherry Reds, yes. right? Or some knockoff version. No, it's MX okay, Cherry Reds, now, yep.
0: Are, are, are they hot swappable? I don't know. I, I never really no. looked into that. Corsair I do not okay. do that.
4: Yeah, I I doubt that they're hot-swappable, too. So uh, you best get real friendly with a soldering iron, and you have to figure statistically you're going to make a mistake sooner or later. It's easier just to buy uh, 120 red switches. And and
2: on the bright side of that, you know what you like about reds. You can go buy a set of reds, and this way you'll have two fully functional keyboards with reds. But, you know, maybe I, I really don't know. I, I remember reading that uh, the Cherry MX footprint, it's not in the, uh, in the uh, blog post that I've got in the show notes. So I'll have to go and find where I found that. And because, uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly which type of switch it was, but I'm really excited about this. I mean,
1: it, of course, the biggest problem is you sit down, you get used to this keyboard, and then you have to go use someone else's.
2: No, no. I, I love the different feels of different keyboards because it's like
1: it's not the feels, it's the locations.
2: Well, I mean, what I'm getting at, though, is that like for work, I use blacks and like it's like some weird muscle memory thing that my fingers know I'm at work. And then when I go and sit on my desktop, my my real, um, you know, gaming desktop, I've got reds over there. And so, I mean, like it's um, it's more than just a tactile feeling. It's like it's something inside of my brain that's like, yeah, this is the right keyboard. We're relaxing now. So. It's it's more than that, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I love yeah, that Yeah, you've kind
4: of trained yourself that way. I yeah. get that. I hope it's really well priced because right now, um, you can buy a, a PCB that is set up for um a sixty or a, what a an eighty or even a hundred percent keyboard. And buy the switches and buy the backplate and the case. And yeah, it's a little expensive, but you can put it all together yourself. And some of those are actually uh, programmable. Usually the UI for those, sadly, is only available in in Windows, but the option is still there to go in and set up those keys any way that you want to. So it's there. It's just, like I said, I hope uh, this bundle Will be reasonably priced,
2: right? And the the thing I think the biggest thing about this is though that the firmware is open source. It's a Linux, well, not really even Linux first keyboard. It's a, it's it's a keyboard that you can make run hundred and one percent well on Linux, and you can make changes in the firmware if you want, and you can't necessarily do that with the other um, the other put together kits. Now some you can, but I mean the fact that. It's a Linux-first company making a keyboard that's going to work amazingly on Linux. I mean, if you're already going to spend 100 bucks, you might as well throw it their way.
4: Yeah, and as long as it has a function key, which looking at it, it does look like it does have a function key, then you have um, secondary functions for everything. So you can easily set up any type of macro or um, specialty key that you want.
2: Here we go. I found it on Tom's Hardware. Um, the PCB will purportedly accept any RGB switch with an MX-compatible footprint such as Cherry MX, uh, Kale Box, uh, which should make it easy for mechanical switch enthusiasts to use their preferred equipment. So, yeah, man. So good. I'm I'm excited for it. I, I can't wait to see the the price so I can be appalled and buy it anyway.
4: And some good keycaps. Yeah. And hopefully an aluminum backplate.
2: Oh, it will be. Yes. It's actually it's milled from a block of aluminum. Perfect. Yep. Clang. Yeah, yeah, there's going to be some clang on that. But, uh, yeah, actually, that's, that's acceptable. Anyway, that'll do it for our news. Let's head down to the security update. Fasten your tinfoil hats, folks. Here we go. So in the security update,
3: patch your stuff.
2: This is something that we said last time, and it's as if Clem heard us. And he decided to write an entire uh, blog post about updating your computer. <laughs> the The biggest reason that he brought this up is that there are some known vulnerabilities in Firefox and through some very coarse. So this is actually, this actually kind of pulls in a lot of the information that we were talking about with the Microsoft, Azure, Ubuntu stuff, right? Uh, Ubuntu knows everything that you do on Azure. Microsoft knows everything that you do on Azure as long as you're touching Ubuntu stuff, right? This is the exact opposite of that so as you know when you fire up firefox on linux mint your search provider by default is yahoo (laughs) and most people change that pretty quickly but the people that don't also tend to i don't know maybe they don't do a whole lot with their machine as far as updates go and it, it, it seems like what's going on and so the people that don't change much uh yahoo has some course uh information that they feed back to Linux Mint. So Linux Mint has no um, identifiable information. It's just like, of the people that are using your browser, 10 to 30% of those people, uh, or you know, whatever the number is, uh, of those people are using this version of the browser. browser. And yeah, we're, we're talking about unpatched, very insecure versions of the browser that very much so need to be updated. And it's easy. Right, that's that's the whole point of this post is that updating is so easy, you should do it. But there is a sizable chunk of you know not not just Linux Mint though any community. This is this is in Windows, this is in Mac, this is in Linuxes. You know, less so the arches, but you know, desktops that you can kind of set and forget. Updates just kind of fall by the wayside, and Linux Mint is no different. So this is a call to, you know, look at the shield. If it's got the little orange circle on it, click it. Click update and reboot once in a while. So, yeah, uh, the old out-of-date versions of Firefox, that's not great. You should update those as much as you possibly can. And kernels are in that um, in that basket as well. We talked about the sudo issue last time where someone could get root access to your box on pretty much all versions of sudo that were released before two weeks ago. So, um, you know, it's, it's extremely important to get those updates in there. And this is a call to action, right? Go do it. And one of the other bigger things, the, the, the biggest thing, uh, and this is, this is Linux Mint specific. There are between five and 30% of users who run Linux Mint 17. 17 that was end of life in april of 2019 y'all i don't know what kind of reach we have to users that run linux mint 17 but if you are listening to this and you know that you're running linux mint 17 please let us help you get upgraded to 18 or 19 i know i know you've got it set up just the way that you want to i know that you tweaked that one thing and you forgot how to do it but but Reach out and, man, I will go above and beyond to try and help you get on at least get on 18, but better yet, get on 20 so you don't have to think about this again for five years. (laughs) Oh, gosh, guys.
0: Oh, man. I can also say reach out to me, too, because I will help as well.
2: Yeah, I know I know everybody every, Everybody on this show right now will at least give you some kind of help, help you figure out what, what uh, cinnamon spice you're missing to complete your soul and, and get up to speed on Linux Mint 20. But, I mean, you got to do it. You're no longer getting security patches. That, that sudo bug, I think the sudo bug, you're probably fine on Linux Mint 17, but if you're on 18 and you're still not updating, you're, you're affected by that sudo bug. And it's not good. There's a bunch of things that, that you're going to be vulnerable to. If you're not updating. So to reiterate, um, Clem writes, statistics are not precise. And this is going back to, you know, they don't they don't get they don't put anything in the operating system that will tell them anything about you. They get very coarse grained stuff. This is and they don't even actually know how many people are running Linux Mint. That's how coarse these stats are. Yeah, he, he writes. We can't measure anything with precision because there's nothing in your computer which sends data to us, and we don't configure Linux Mint in a way that even allows us to count how many users we have. So yeah, contrary to the Raspberry Pi VS Code thing, yeah, there's no tinfoil hat in this. They just don't get that information, but they do get coarse-grained information that tells that tells them 30% of users apply updates in less than a week. How many of those? How many? How many of you on this show are in that group? How many people actually do that? I every time it, I log it immediately, yeah.
1: Yep. Immediately. I missed the question. How How often do you run updates? Do you do it within about a week? Oh, I do it every day on most of my machines. Yeah. I, I don't... Uh, I know whenever, that's excessive, but that's what I do.
5: Goes, yeah, whenever the shield indicates that it needs updating. Right after work.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. Um, I, I probably do it on the weekends, really, Um I will make a, well, cause usually there's something that I want, like, um, there's a new version of wine or there's a, there's a new kernel that came out or, you know, something like that. And it's just like, why update one when I can update everything and I got to reboot anyway or whatever, uh, to use the new version of wine or something like that, uh, because I'm currently using wine. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's about every week uh, I'll do it. So I, I guess that puts me right on the edge of that 30%,
3: but still, yeah. Um. <sighs> That really hurts me to my soul to think that there are people out there running around with an EOL distro. Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, it's yeah. it's the same problem that we had with Windows XP. People just, why change it? Bro, because, <laughs> laundry list of stuff. This is why know.
0: Windows 10 forces you to upgrade all the time, because it, yeah. if you, they yeah, didn't, exactly. no one would. People still don't. They They put it off as far as they can. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I guess I just want to appeal to the audience please if you're not willing to upgrade for yourselves at least upgrade for me it'll help me sleep better at night
5: see and
3: we all <laughs> want Mike to get a full eight hours so please please
2: please
5: update your yeah, stuff I am still running 19.3 on I my
2: thought desktoper. I seriously thought you were about to say 17 and I'm like Tony get out of here you're done you're done
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I don't think I'm running an old version of anything on my systems yeah, I mean, it, you got to really be committed for
2: seventeen. That's Ubuntu fourteen oh four, if I'm not mistaken. So,
0: yeah, that's tough. Could you tough. in theory buy the extended life pack for that for mm, Linux Mint? No, Ubuntu wouldn't support that. Oh, nope. they wouldn't. Okay, I was no, just curious. It, <laughs> it would be it would be way out of band,
2: and they would yeah. they would request that if you wanted fourteen oh four because you can you can right. buy uh, support for that. You'd have to get on. Ubuntu 14.04, right. and not not, okay. not like Zubuntu or Lubuntu, but Ubuntu, that's it. Right. Again, he, he doesn't leave you, and th- th- this is why I love Clem, and this is why I like his, his blog posts, but he doesn't leave you high and dry. He's not just like, hey, man, do your updates, and then cool, end of blog. No, he tells you exactly what to look for. He tells you exactly what to do. Like in Linux Mint 18 and 18.0, one and .2, timeshift wasn't there. But it's available for you to install, and right, it's not like it's not like the Linux Mint team is going to force you to install Timeshift or install it behind your back. He will tell you though how to go get it. It's available for you. Create a system snapshot, um, uh, apply all your updates, and automate uh, what you can. And I know this is once you get into Timeshift and once you get into the word, the spooky word, automation, it gets to the point where it's like, all right, I don't know how to do that, so I'm just not going to do that. But if you uh, if you have questions about that, again. Let us know. Um, we're more than happy to do that. And to be honest with you, I know, Moss, you've had some trouble with time shift, but I think more often than not, it works. And, you know, maybe we should do a whole innards on how to set that up. I know we've talked about it, but like literally dive in, talk about all the features of it, talk about the benefits of our sync versus versus uh, ButterFS, which if you're trying to go easy, ButterFS is not going to be easy in your book. Um, but I mean, really just dive into how to do this stuff because... The instructions are fantastic. He walks you through the entire thing. But still, it's it's something that you need to dive into.
1: Or you could just find me an easy-to-use snapshot program.
2: I mean, I did. It's called Rescuezilla. Use it. It's fantastic.
1: I
3: was going to say the same exact thing. That's what I use, too. Rescuezilla yep. is awesome. Yep. Just, I, can I mean, agree.
2: You're already going to be slowing down your system, so why not reboot into RescueZilla and take a real, live, actual backup that you know none of the, none of the files are going to be corrupted because none of the files could have a chance to change while you're taking that image. And you, know, you can even you know, pick into that image and look and find files that you might have accidentally deleted, and you don't even need RescueZilla to do that. So there, there's, a, there's a million and one reasons to use TimeShift, but there's a million and two reasons to use RescueZilla. So just fantastic stuff. Fantastic. Patch your stuff, uh, at the very least, click on that little shield and, and update your box. If you know or if you if you run that LSB release command that Clem gives you and you're on Linux Mint 17, write in. We'll help you figure out how to get how to move forward. So one last thing, and it's it's kind of the opposite of what I've been preaching this entire time. I've been saying if you go Chromium, go Brave. Because uh Brave's fantastic. And it still is. But ooh, so Brave has had a little kerfuffle over the past week or so, and it is not a good one. Uh, If you use Brave and the Tor functionality of Brave, which already kind of is like, "Mm, I don't know why you would do that. But if you do that, yeah, get up to Brave 1.20, the most current release. It was released a couple of days ago. It'll probably be five days by the time this show hits you. But um, if you haven't updated Brave in the last five days as you hear this, then uh, go update Brave. It's Important if you use the Tor module uh, because it looks like Brave has been leaking your DNS to whatever Onion site you go to. Yeah, whoever does your DNS, they're able to see what Onion site you went to. So this was uh, this was known, and it was intended to drop in 1.21, which is going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. But because there was um, a, a whole thing and so the, the conspiracy theory started flying real quick. Once um, a user tried to post this particular thing to our privacy, um, they, the mods there shut it down because it wasn't vetted. It was just a – they didn't have a big name in the security realm, so it's, nobody knew who this was. So uh, they were just like, you know what? Go get it vetted and then compost it after that. And that's exactly what happened, which is why I don't understand why there's conspiracy theories going on about it. But they posted it to Netsec, they posted it to Brave, and it got taken care of. So it didn't drop in 1.21 after all. It did drop as a hotfix. Very cool. All right. Well, that wraps it up for the show. We have one announcement left, uh, which is our next episode will be at 2 p.m. Central U.S. time on March 7th, 2021. Um, And we'll have a link in the show notes as well as a link on the website for how to get that converted to your time zone. So you don't have to do any of that uh, weird math. Try to figure out uh, what time Texas is right now. But outside of that, Joe. Where can we find more? Well,
4: new? you can catch me on a couple of the other shows that I'm on. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, um, www.tllts.org. I'm on the Linux Lugcast, which is at www.linuxlugcast.com. We just recorded this last Friday, so it should be out by now. You can find me on MeWe, although I've been much less active on MeWe lately, or you can send me an email directly, org, and I do check that daily.
2: And Bo has uh, his YouTube channel, Undercast Collective, which now includes uh, Crowbar Kernel Panic. I think that's right. Josh is not here to correct me, so if it's wrong, well, whoops, <laughs> we'll get it right next time. Um,
1: and Moss, what about you? Well, you can find me on It's Moss. I'm at MeWe. I've got several blogs. Music is on Bandcamp and on various YouTube channels, all linked in the show notes. You can reach me at moss at mintcast.org, although if you want a quick response, you should use zyvalananda at protonmail.ch. You can find me on Mastodon at zyvala at hosttux.social. For toots.
2: You can get him. you, You can see his toots.
1: And I have a sponsors. I can too. And I have a sponsors with a few really nice sponsors now. So um, I'd love to have more. I do not want to be a professional podcaster. I want to be an appreciated podcaster. (laughs) And you will chase folks down,
5: (laughs) as I can attest. (laughs) Tony, what about you? Yeah, you can find me at Hacker Public Radio. I'm uh, host ID 338. I do an occasional blog, tony-shoes.blogspot.com. I'm on Twitter, tonyh1212. You can get me at th at mintcast.org or distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com.
2: And Tony Watts isn't here this time, but you can get him at tw at mintcast.org or just Google up Echoes of Savages, the band. And Josh cut out a little early, so you can get him at joshontech at mintcast.org, I think, and at joshontech on Twitter and most other social sites. As for me, leochavis.org and at leochavis on Twitter, leochavisatminkest.org, lindicheserspace.show, and you can get your five-minute news digest at Full Circle Weekly News, or you can buy me a coffee. Now, before we go, we have to thank one more time, Mike, for coming on to the show. So thank you, Mike.
3: Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate
2: it again. Of course. And if you want to get in touch with Mike, you can get him grouchym at pm.me. But before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make MintCast possible, Mike included. Owen Peary for our audio editing. Josh Lowe for all his work on the website. Hobstar for our logo. And Londoner for our time sync and like half those links in the show. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, Archive, uh, I'm sorry, ByteMark Hosting for hosting MintCast.org and our Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. HPR for our backup mumble room, and of course, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Clem. And Co. And that's a wrap. And
5: that's done. Yeah. That was a fun show. This has been another episode
4: of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both MintCast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at MintCast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music, and thanks for listening to this
5: episode of the Can
4: you take me? Uh, yeah, I think so. Tender. I mm-hmm. think so. The, the coffee drip can end. Yeah. Yeah.
3: My yeah. hands my, are drenched <laughs> in sweat. <laughs> Mike, what did you say? <laughs> I said my hands are drenched in sweat. Oh, so nervous.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, you did fantastic.